Our gracious Father in heaven, we come to you at a difficult time in this country and in this world's history. With all that's going on, it's sometimes difficult to see the anchors, to understand your purpose for each of our lives. And yet truly at this institution and in our own lives, we recognize the stability that you provide, the surety you give each of us, that you are in control, that this is your world, your children. So we seek a special blessing this morning, Father, as we gather here to worship you, to spend time together. May your presence be felt by each one of us in the meeting here and as we follow afterwards. Thank you for blessing this place. Thank you for each one here that's uh, spending time with us and those online streaming and others that are listening. May they also feel your spirit. Now we lay this in your hands. Be with us in the days, months, and years ahead, we pray. Amen. Be seated. Fantastic. And with that prayer, we are off and running. C.S. Lewis is the one that threw us this line that just makes so much sense. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea. I love that expression. It's a lovely idea. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Huh? It's spot on. Everyone says forgiveness is, you should forgive. They should forgive. That group of people should forgive. That individual should forgive. They should forgive me. Everyone says it's a lovely idea. That's what would bring, that's what makes life beautiful. Forgiveness. Just forgive. Until you have something to forgive. And then it's a lineup of, of what the person should do or what they shouldn't do to earn your forgiveness. <laughs> Your pardon, as it were. Let's go to the cross. That ringing in our hearts and in our minds. Let's go to the cross. We're going this time to, to the doctor's account in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 23 is where we're going. And we're going to just start in verse 26. So I want you to read along... As we journey here, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people, now in verse 27, followed him, including women who had mourned and wailed for him. Verse 28, now Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep. Red letters, right? Do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless woman. The wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Jesus is giving a sermon on his way to the cross. This is this expression. When they do these things, when the, when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry is a riddle about judgment. 
It's really a passionate plea from Jesus to, to realize what is happening. And so Jesus is pleading, please realize this is an important moment. This is a, a moment of decision, of judgment. And Dr. Luke is, is, is giving us these, the, these words of Jesus. Can't you just imagine if there's any sermon that you want to hear from Jesus, it's the one that he gives his very last, the one on the, on the, on the way to the cross. He wants, you want to hear that sermon. And so it's, it's exciting to have Luke just unpacking this and recording this for us. Except in verse 32. He's right in the middle of this. Jesus is, is coming in for the, for the appeal. And then Dr. Luke says, oh, there are two other men, both criminals. They were led with him to be executed. Excuse me? I was in the middle of listening to Jesus' sermon, and now, and now you want to tell me about two thieves? It's almost as if Luke gets sidetracked, like, whoa, Jesus is appealing to the hearts. He's calling us to a decision. This is the moment. This is a moment in which you must make a decision. Look, there are two thieves. And you want to just, you want to just grab Luke's attention and say, no, 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 no. Tell us if Jesus said anything else. Don't, don't get distracted. Don't, don't, don't. Ah, it's too late. Luke says, when they came to a place called, called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We don't know if that was, if that earlier little sermonette, the, the appeal that Jesus was making on his way to the cross, we don't know if that was the last thing he said. But at that moment, Luke gets distracted to tell us where the thieves are. Because Luke is going after an operative point. And so Luke has to say, hey guys, I've got to tell you exactly where the thieves are. There were two thieves. They were with him. And they were crucified there, one on his right and the other on his left. Do you know why that's important to Luke? Because he wants us to know exactly who could hear Jesus. One was on his right, so he could hear. The other was on his left, so he could hear. They heard Jesus. What did they hear Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Both thieves heard Jesus. They heard him extend forgiveness to his murderers, to those who were holding him on the cross. Luke's very interested in this because he's about to make a point. Let's finish the story. Verse 38, We're jumping down a little ways. There was a notice written above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. What's the last thing that these, these thieves heard Jesus say? According to Luke, it's the forgiveness. That's the last words they heard Jesus say. Now, one of them is hurling insults. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other, verse 40, rebuked him, saying, don't you fear God? 
since you are under the same sentence, we are, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he, pulling his head, pulling himself up and turning his head, says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus then pulling himself up, turning to the, to the thief, says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, on the way to the cross, is giving this presentation, this appeal to make a decision to accept the gospel and to have your life changed by it, to have yourself converted by, by the gospel. He's making that appeal. And then Luke, almost as if he's interrupted or distracted, said, well, oh, whoa, look, there's two thieves. And they were with Jesus. Uh, they were right with him. They were led away with him. And now when they get to Calvary, one is on his right, the other's on his left. They're right next to Jesus. Then Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. That's, who, who are the Two people on Calvary that we know heard that cry. Thief number one and thief number two. We know because Luke does everything he can to strategically place them there. He wants us to know they were with Jesus. Why? Because then they heard the forgiveness offered, extended to those who didn't deserve it, you could say. And that birthed, that birthed two reactions the gospel will always birth one of two reactions. One, one of insults. God, if you are so powerful, why am I suffering? Reaction number one. Reaction number two. I deserve everything. But would you please forgive me? Beloved, do you see what Luke just did there? He took these two thieves, and he walked us with him to the cross. It was a living testimony of the sermon that Jesus was just giving on the way to Calvary. He said, wait a minute. I, I can tell you how this plays out in real life. And he takes two thieves, two that deserve this punishment, and he places them right next to Jesus. And one of them, when he hears the forgiveness of Jesus, when he hears the gospel played out in real life, he says, that's not fair. They don't deserve it. If they get something they don't deserve, then come on. Why am I suffering? God, if you are who you say you are, fix my stuff. And that, beloved, come on, let's be honest. We've heard ourselves think that. We've heard our friends say that. This isn't fair. I shouldn't have to suffer. But the other thief, he doesn't put himself in a place he ought not to be. He sees the gospel played out and he says, if those can be forgiven, if those people can be forgiven, I can be forgiven. I deserve this. I deserve this penalty. And he accepts it. And then Jesus extends to him this promise, you will be with me. And he uses this, this expression, paradise. It's, it's, a, it's a Persian word. It's, it means garden, a place that symbolizes beauty and delight. He, he could have said heaven, 
But that's not what Jesus was, that's not the point Jesus was making. This is, this verse has been awfully misunderstood in several realms. But this was, you will be redeemed. You will be recreated. Just like in the garden. That's Jesus' promise to the one who is willing to, to accept the forgiveness. I accept what you're offering to them. I don't deserve anything different. Nancy DeMoss in her book Choosing Forgiveness writes, this matter of forgiveness is truly at the core and the heart of the gospel. And she's right. That was Luke's point on the, on his, in his narrative at the cross. Wait a minute. Let me tell you a living example of what Jesus is doing. On the cross, he is proclaiming the gospel. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And God has always been willing to extend that. That's the gospel. Forgiveness. She says it's at the very core, the very heart of the gospel. Even our excuses for not forgiving keep bringing us back to the cross, back to where forgiveness was perfectly applied, not to a group of people who had gone through all the right steps to become forgivable, but to us, to people who didn't deserve it, didn't know we need it, and perhaps didn't even want it. Forgiveness is not dependent on the other person. The gospel is not dependent on the other person. It can still be extended. We have sometimes in our Christian community separated the forgiveness from the gospel. Hey, I'm a Christian, but listen, I don't, they don't deserve forgiveness. They need to be held. This forgiveness, of course, is not being held accountable to, for abuse, for, for, for crime. There are still results. The thief still died that day. But he was promised a restoration, a recreation of all that he was. A new man, Paul would say. It's a new man. That's what Jesus said. C.S. Lewis again in his classic Mere Christianity. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Nancy DeMoss' argument is even our, even our excuses for not forgiving keep bringing us back to the cross. At the cross, this call from the cross was so perfectly demonstrating of what Jesus was trying to communicate we are brought to a decision am I going to live that way am I going to to just be forgive willing to forgive everyone yep that's the gospel and it will bring us to one of two positions either a bitterness a resentment that God isn't doing what we think he should be doing or one of surrender God I want to I want that I want forgiveness in and forgiveness out I am absolutely for, convinced that forgiveness is the climax, is the gospel in its fullness. And if there is one that I am unwilling to forgive, it's I am unwilling to live the gospel. Dr. Luke wasn't done with this. He wasn't done trying to convince us of this fact, which is why I believe he tells us the story of Saul. You remember the, Stephen, the, the, the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7? Stephen gives this testimony, this proclamation of the gospel, and then they can become so angry, they drag him out, they're going to stone him. Except Acts, Luke, the author of Acts, Luke tells us that in their madness, they 
left their coats at the feet of one Saul. Tell me, how many other places in the Bible do the Bible writers tell you who kept the coats? Why, 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 Luke, do we care who kept the coats? Why don't you tell us who wheelbarrowed the rocks or who brought the bottles of water? Why don't you tell us everybody who played a role in this? Why don't you tell us who threw the first stone or who, to, who threw the last stone? Because all of those players are irrelevant. Luke needed us to know that Saul was there because just moments later, right before his death, Stephen looks into heaven and says, don't, don't hold them accountable for this. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen lives the gospel he had just shared with them. And that gospel begins to ring in the heart and the mind of Saul. And, and gave us the greatest missionary the church has ever known. Is forgiveness the heart of the gospel? According to Jesus, it is. According to Stephen, it is. According to Paul, Saul turned Paul, it is. We can't divorce ourselves from it. We can't separate ourselves from it. Again, let me read for you the lines from Nancy DeMoss in her book, Choosing Forgiveness. Stephen, who had put both pieces together when he had received Christ, he extended to his murders through Christ. The cross had made the connection. Forgiveness in, forgiveness out. That's the testimony of the cross. I receive forgiveness and I must extend forgiveness because that's the gospel. Forgiveness in, forgiveness out. Stephen was willing to forgive his very murders. Why? Why would we have expected anything different? My favorite story of all times comes from a family you may actually know. I went to school with the family, the DePivas. Powerful testimony of, as Melissa DePiva, now, now grown up as a little girl who's, who's whose family is taken from her by a, a murderer, but chooses forgiveness. Dr. DePiva, the mother of, of the one of the slain son and daughter-in-law and grandson, also extends forgiveness publicly. And because I know this family, it's meant something deep, significant for me. How a tragedy in Palau could be used to advance the gospel. It doesn't take a tragedy, though, in Palau. What about in your life? What about somebody that you need to call? You haven't talked to them in years, in months. Meanwhile, we claim to live the gospel. Who do you need to call? Who do you need to talk to? That's the story from the cross. When Jesus cried out, he was crying out the very fullness, the very essence, the very core, the heart of the gospel. It's forgiveness in and forgiveness out. Forgiveness for what? Forgiveness for everything, anything. There's something that the devil has been saying to you, no, 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 God, God hasn't been able to go that far with you because you've done it again. 
he took the moment and said, listen, I will forgive those who don't deserve it. Not a single one of those at the base of the cross at that point were asking for forgiveness. Jesus extended forgiveness to the, the most impossible of situations as a reminder that the gospel does that. It gives forgiveness when it's not deserved. So maybe it's not somebody you have to call. Maybe it's not forgiveness out right now. Maybe it's forgiveness in. What's in your life? What's going on that you, you say, oh, he can't forgive me for this. I've done it again. You will be one of two thieves on the cross. You will say, wow, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve what you're offering, Jesus. I deserve what I'm getting, but I don't deserve what you're offering. But please, please forgive me also. Or you'll become skeptical. You'll make excuses. You'll claim that God isn't doing what his job, and so, so it's not your fault, it's his fault. You'll be one of the two thieves. That's why Luke, in the middle of the last sermon Jesus gave before the cross, he interrupts it to say, I'm going live. I was reporting, but now I'm going live. You're going to be able to watch, watch what Jesus is talking about. Forgiveness, the forgiveness of Jesus, the cross of Jesus will bring you to a decision. Choose. Is it forgiveness in and forgiveness out? Or are you going to hold on to something? Are you going to listen to the lies of Satan that says God can't forgive you for something and, and, and the lies of Satan that says you shouldn't forgive that person. They haven't asked for it. They, ha they don't deserve it. They've kept doing it. Are you going to listen to the lies? Or are you going to accept? That's the cry from the cross. Oh, Father. Break our hearts so that we, we would hear that cry. That we would receive that forgiveness and that we would extend it. Forgiveness in, forgiveness out. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until there's something to forgive. But today we want to say forgiveness is a lovely idea, period. Because of the forgiveness of Jesus in, we'll let Jesus flow out in forgiveness to every other person. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.